0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Scott. And I'm Paul. And we're going to talk about Brainwave by Paul Anderson, a 1953-54 novel uh, about... Uh, people and animals getting smarter on the Earth. Um, I want to tell you guys, uh, I don't know if I told you on Twitter, um, that the first publication of this was in a magazine uh, called Space Science Fiction. Uh, Space. And then the, uh, the second half of it was never published. <laughs> the magazine <laughs> went out of business, so we have a serial in which the first half sets up a story, and then the second half just doesn't exist until the paper book comes out the next mm. year.
2: That must have been annoying.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: And uh, I went down a whole rabbit hole trying to figure out like what, uh, why uh, it wasn't on Gutenberg.org the first half, um, because it is public domain, the first half. Because um, <laughs> it wasn't renewed. But, turns out that Paul Anderson's estate a.k.a. Greg Barron, his wife, um, s- threatened to sue Gutenberg for having it up there um, because their logic, as far as I could follow it, was because the second half was published the, the next year, uh, it didn't need to be renewed. I'm pretty sure that's bad logic, but it's just a, a strange curiosity of this this story. You're reading it. Right. In 1953. Oh, crap. My subscriptions lapsed (laughs) or (laughs) or where's the next issue? go to the newsstand. There isn't one. And then next year you you can read it in space uh, in a in a paper book. Um, And I guess you could pick it up halfway through. It's it's such a strange little thing. Uh, By the way, it was titled The Escape, which is very different
0: than brainwave as a title that's an interesting title
1: yeah i mean i don't think it really makes any difference to the the story but just the publication history is is kind of weird
0: well first of all did you like this one
1: uh yeah i sent out a tweet this week saying i i'm sort of putting paul anderson on notice you better you better uh give me the goods Mm. man i'm starting to worry about you
2: I, I saw I saw that tweet like oh god is this is this the end of Jesse's attempts? No, to be no, Anderson.
0: My my prediction is that you really liked it. Am, am I right or wrong? I liked parts of it absolutely,
1: um, but it, parts mm-hmm. of it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I did. This is idea science fiction. Uh, that's what I, I loved about it. I thought it. it was terrific. That's I what I loved like, about it.
1: You're right about yeah, that. Yeah,
0: it was fantastic. I thought. Uh,
1: I think it was. I think it was very good. I think it was very good and. Um, I was cool. looking at the reviews of what people were saying about it, um, and everybody loves that it's idea science fiction. That's what they love about it. Um, a lot of people seem to think that the novel was too short. It's 164. Oh, sorry. The uh, the the paper. I'm looking at the magazine. Yes. It's 100. Yeah, it's 164 pages. Wow. Okay, so it's very but, yeah, slim. Yeah, but the,
2: yeah, but that that's the typical length of books in the early 1950s i mean that's it i is. mean he's not going to get a giant and giant so people are blaming
1: book. it on the editors and people are blaming it on the industry did
0: it did it feel short to you did it feel too short i'll like tell you it was
1: missing something? i really only cared about one part of the book which part did you care about archie brock I think his story is, kidding me. <laughs> is the most interesting. I didn't care about
0: any of the um, space no, it stuff. Really, it really—it just surprises me, you know, cause, um, you know, the okay. other guys were all talking about philosophy and a little how bit. Yeah. Their outlook on the entire world. But yeah, the Brock, I found Brock was super interesting, but so was everything else. I, there wasn't anything in here that didn't interest me.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I'm not, I'm not here to poop on the book. I, I just, mm-hmm. I, I, I think, uh, I mean, the imagery that's in uh, Brock's, uh, and the opening, you know, the opening with the rabbit is good. Uh, it's, it could have been better if it was handed to, you know, a lyricist like, I don't know, Bradbury or mm-hmm. something like that. But
2: uh,
1: it, it, just looking at the, it's on, one, uh, somebody, was it Paul? You tweeted the cover of, uh, there's an elephant with a... Uh, oh yeah, I, no, I Scott
2: that. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, so it's not an orangutan. What is it? It's a. <laughs> no, it's a chimpanzee. Chimpanzee with a shotgun, yeah. right? I mean, that's a premise it's for a whole movie. It's
0: actually uh, on this cover. It looks like a baboon to me. Okay. Yeah, I mean, none. It's a, you know irrelevant. It's a chimpanzee in the in the book, but that is something that I wanted to talk about. I was surprised, you know. And then we got tweeted back. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's one of Paul's acquaintances uh, said these these covers are weird, and he threw another yeah. few out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they really all have very little to do with actually what's in this book. Chimpanzee so with a you, shotgun has something to do yeah. with what's in the book. Yeah, you <laughs>
2: very, very small thing.
0: And the thing is, yeah, I mean, the chimpanzee with a shotgun happened. But this is not a novel about animals rising up and fighting humans. You know? well, well, I think it is,
1: I mean, actually. <laughs> well,
0: well, no, no. But that's not what you see most of. That's, what, you know? you that's,
1: that's what I was complaining about, right?
0: <laughs> I don't know that that's a complaint. But anyway, yeah. It's like a, an expectation that, uh, that, that didn't built. didn't come to fruition, I guess.
2: Yeah. there's a, there's a, There's a lot that happens in this book that we don't see on screen and is not explicated. That is just like throwaway stuff. They talk about. A revolution in Africa for example mm-hmm. we never see or hear whatever happens with that revolution what happened to it we don't know Paul Anderson just throws that off as as a what as a, as a one-off and then, and there if there is as I recall a, a mention of the guerrillas organizing in Africa which made me think of protector does mm-hmm. that make you think of protector mm-hmm. Jesse it didn't but I can see why you you would well well, well, because because in protector as you will call at one point uh First of all, talks, uh, not not talks about uh, The human talks about, oh, one thing he could have done was plant tree of life in Africa and organized chimpanzees and gorillas. Right. And so, what, so I, I tied in with that, like, oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. The other novel that this makes me think of, especially because of the whole entire premise, is uh, A Fire Upon the Deep by I haven't read mm. that one. You have? You haven't read that? Um, Scott, have you?
0: Actually, no. It's okay. it's on my list and been there forever, but I haven't
2: okay, ever so, read it. So I, I will briefly explain it for the listeners. So Firepoint of Deep Burn of Angie's major novel, he has other novels and sequence, posits a galaxy where the laws of thought and of what's possible as far as AI and whatnot are different in different parts of the galaxy. In the core, the laws are most restricted. At the far rim, the laws are most most allowable. And where Earth is is in what's called the slow zone, mm-hmm. where fast and life travels not possible, um, super AI is not possible. So when I was thinking, when I was reading this, I was thinking, did Vernor come up with the idea with the slow zone from this novel? Because I mean, the Earth basically passes out of the slow zone at the beginning of this novel into into a zone where more things are possible mm-hmm. as far as intelligence and whatnot. So I I would love to now... Talk to he Say, did you read Brainwave? and get the idea of the zones from that because it seems like a seems like an obvious parallel to go from Brainwave to Bernavini's novels.
1: Yeah, it, 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 there's a, a, a lot of novels that sort of are stories, even that nest within the premise of this, and it's a it's a good premise. Uh, in fact, I don't know I don't know how much of the Wikipedia entry I read because. I was anticipating things that were going to happen, and then they did. You know, like I think, okay, this is how it's going to work. It's not like uh, it's not like some radiant energy is being beamed on the Earth. It's more like uh, a dampening field was turned off, right? I, I, I had a feeling that that's the way it should go, and then it did, right? And so I I think we can see the echoes of this in other. Uh, I I just I think any kind of story. That talks about intelligence or stupidity, the other side of intelligence, um, in science fiction, is interesting. And this one has a lot of interesting stuff in it. It is abbreviated, but I, I spent a lot of time thinking about what Anderson was saying, and I noticed that he didn't say enough. <laughs> it wasn't philosophical enough, I guess, is what I uh, those those philosophical scenes in the. The space travel and all that stuff. Eh. Uh-huh. I, I was like, um, the scenes with the, with the chimpanzee and the dog who cannot speak and yet, and can't even seem to understand English, but uh, eventually the dog does, but, uh, have, uh, understanding. And then thinking of the reflection of the motivation, you know, one of the things that struck me early on was the reading the news reports, which is, Again, not the greatest way to tell a story, you know. Yeah. Um, what was it? Uh, the Chinese army has defected, right? I thought, that's interesting. The Chinese army. Why the Chinese army? Well, see, they're all being held down. But, and, uh, and then he, he has it sort of on both sides in that, uh, characters will come up with explanations and then other characters shoot them down. But, I just didn't feel like he had a, a one unifying thesis that what he was exploring. It felt like it was a shotgun approach and some of those pellets hit home and a lot of them didn't for me. I, I really, I wanted to like it because I, lo- I, I thought the premise is, is terrific just like everybody else did. And I was looking at the reviews on Goodreads and they're, they're not universally praising right there everybody seemed to think it was lacking a little bit but i'm not saying it wasn't worth reading i just think uh, almost needs to be uh, somebody said on goodreads it would be a good idea premise for a bunch of different writers to tackle you know hmm. what does it mean like i was thinking like mike resnick you know he's one of those guys who who can take a bone and chew on it real good? Um, if if Mike Resnick had mm-hmm. an anthology of uh, this, you know, with this premise, um, his story would be terrific and, and touching. You know, there, we've seen lots of stories like Rachel in Love, which is a story about a a, a monkey or a chimpanzee with a, a girl's brain inside of it or ma- mapped onto it, and you know, mm-hmm. Flowers for Algernon, right? So what what is, you know, he has all sorts of things going on in this book. And it, it does, I don't think it, it's the abbreviation. I think it's a lack of focus that was sort of like, I wanted to see a whole novel about that farm. Because that farm story, you know, how they're going to survive the winter. And what is what does it mean to be smart if you're doing things against your own interests? Right. And then he has people going crazy, and he has a woman deciding that uh, it's better to be stupid uh, so that she's not unhappy. And it's like, well, maybe, but none of these are uh, fully explicated or, you know, gone through, uh, to my satisfaction anyways.
0: Well, I didn't, I didn't feel that way at all. Um, I thought that, you know, this was sort of a meditation or an exploration. Uh, philosophically and, you know, just, you know, ideas. And I didn't find it scattershot. You know, I found there was two, two distinct um, threads, you know, one on the farm and then one among these scientists. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's just, you know, whether anything was fully developed or not, I, I, when I finished the novel, I didn't feel like, oh, I, I, I didn't wish for more of the farm scenes or anything like that. Yeah. You know, I was left thinking a lot of thoughts, you know.
1: I was thinking um, maybe just cut them like if I was going to cut cut the book up, I could take out a lot of it and just make a short story out of out of uh yeah. it, it, the individual sections. And the space stuff really it, it, it it's uh, I think it's supposed to be refor- like it's supposed to make us think. But I I didn't find myself thinking. I found myself saying, "Uh-huh."
0: Well, I mean, the thing that it made me think is um, you know, is there something that we don't see, you know, because once everybody had heightened intelligence, then it was like, oh, this is how we can get there, you know, uh, get out to space in a big hurry.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, they whip it together and, and out they go. That's, that's amazing. You know, for us, it takes a long time to work these things out.
2: And, and, and yet, uh, what, what I love about this is they, they whip it up so a slapdash in the word so quickly is that they don't have any backup systems they don't have any ai and so when things go wrong when they fall out of the field they're really they're really up a creek without a paddle because mm-hmm. they they got they want to build this so fast that they didn't put in any safeguards this is almost like a like an advertisement for quality yeah. control uh, if you're going, well, to, going to my sad. job of quality control, like where were you, where was your quality control in building a spaceship? You didn't think this through. You yeah.
0: And, it, and it's a, it's an arrogance, right? You yes. know, there's an arrogance
2: hubris. there. Hubris. Yeah.
0: Hubris. Right. And then there's also, um, they're, I, I can imagine their brains are racing so fast that they're just, you know, it's almost, they're manic. And they're just like, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. You know, that's just what they're feeling. And, you know, they're running around and um, it's a change in humanity, you know.
1: Yeah, I I, I was thinking like, what about the insects? You know, like we get a rabbit, we get uh, the chimpanzees, we get the dogs and the pigs. You know, the pigs are it, it almost turned into animal farm there for a minute, right?
2: It, it it did it did it, I mean, you could have an entire novel just set on that farm. I, I thought
1: it. I thought it was like. I was thinking this is uh, how Animal Farm can be explained. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Animal Farm is is this novel from the uh, from uh, a different you know a point of view because you've got the animals overthrowing the uh, the uh, the humans and and then they ha- and then they have to get into negotiations with neighboring uh, farms and communities and, and and the thing is is you know the earth is covered in animal life but almost all of it's insects i don't remember any insects in this mhm i mean bees are pretty damn smart in a certain way but they don't they don't uh you know take over the world <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, no, well what the beep 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 bees don't Ants. have a lot of intelligence yo well yeah i mean social insects don't have a lot of intelligence but they have a lots of pre-programmed biologically determined information what what, what i think paul Anderson doesn't quite explain because well he doesn't have the vocabulary at the time because it's only 1950s is basically the higher the higher animals mainly mammals that have the more developed brains. It's that section of the brain that starts finally working at quote, quote, real speed. And then, so yeah, so basically anything from the shrew to uh, humans is going to uh, get a uh, intelligence and basically other forms, reptiles, insects, fish. you know, those- fish. Yeah, but they, but they, they, they don't have those, they don't have those brain. They don't have the, those portions of the brain so they don't have the advanced portions of the brain to heighten, so that's why they don't go, they don't get the super intelligence. What Paul Anderson misses as a trick is real interesting. Is what about all the aquatic mammals? Yeah, yeah. It's- Dolph- dolphins, dolphins, and whales would get super intelligence. What the hell do they do? He misses that completely in this novel. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could see the dolphins and whales suddenly. Stopping cargo ships and basically taking <laughs> so back long. the oceans
0: themselves. So long and thanks for all the fish.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Or, or, or yeah. Or even better. Yes. Th- thank you, Scott. Yeah. So long and thanks for all the fish. I mean, I mean, I mean, a dolphin's reputedly nearly as intelligent as a human. So you're going to get super intelligent dolphins. What the heck are they going to do with their intelligence? Paul Anderson misses. I think this is before John Lilly's studies on dolphins, though. So Paul Anderson may not have realized how intelligent dolphins and whales really are and so he misses the opportunity to explore what would what would aquatic mammals do with
1: but super see I intelligence. Think, I think that's the issue is, is that it, it, he isn't really interested in in the animals except in on the farm right he doesn't really think about the and so I, I he isn't really that's not the focus the focus is on the humans and I I think that that's you know fine but he didn't say that that's not the premise of his book it's all you know, all creatures with brains get, uh, five times boost, right? And, and I think, you know, he could have worked the, the fake science, uh, saying, you know, it has to have a certain amount of critical mass before, you know, like hummingbirds can't do it because their brain mass or whatever. You know, you could, you could totally, uh, do that if you wanted to focus on, uh, you know, primates of a certain brain capacity or, you know, or whatever. Um, and so I felt like he was doing something else, which is sort of let's explore what intelligence is and what, what it is to make people intelligent. So I, I was thinking like, well, is this about school? Because what school does is make you more intelligent, supposedly, right? It gives you more facts and more history and more uh, math, right? All the things that are supposed to train you up so that you become a, a useful and functioning member of society right and as soon as he gives the five times intelligence to the planet everybody starts uh quitting their job and moving to the country um, well that's interesting right <laughs> but um
2: that's a very pastoral look at things yeah it, it,
1: it, it, i could see you know uh clifford D. C. Mac writing a story set after this and he's done that right he his whole city uh, books are all about yep. that
2: or, or or yeah yeah in the story where where the man gets transformed into Jovian has super intelligence aside i'm not going to go back to being a human and neither will his dog because yeah they would turn me back into a dog and me back into a man so yeah i was thinking i was thinking of cmac too when i was reading this hmm so, but yeah, well, what, 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 yeah, I mean, but it's this, not this, a this metaphor.
1: Novel. Like, I, I kept thinking this is a metaphor for something. Or, like, he's t- he's telling me, he's telling me, um, what he thinks, uh, education is about, but I, I never felt like he, he got a thesis and stuck to it and thought it all the way through. So they're, they're experimenting with a dampening field, right? Um, and it never really, you know, they never turn it on and make the whole planet dumb. Right. Again, that that's they do one try, way to they
2: they go. Do, they, they, they do try. It's it's a it's an interesting little sidebar is they're like, we're going to save humanity by making us dumb. Oh, my God. That feels so 2018. <laughs> it's scary. Yeah. So uh,
0: I, I was, no question
2: uh, this week. Yeah. I mean, you, you, oh, sorry, came, no you know,
0: talking about all these ideas that that you wish it had in it. But, you know, it's the book itself that spurred you into that thinking and the ideas that yeah. are present, I think, are fascinating.
1: Well, I I was thinking like this week I was processing uh The Food of the Gods by H. G. Wells. You guys know this story? Uh It's a novel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um it's about uh a new technology that allows uh crops to be grown that are, you know, five times bigger than they used to be. Right. So you have an apple and instead of being fitting in your palm you have to put it in a backpack, right? It's the size of a baseball. Uh sorry, a basketball, right? Um, or bigger. Um, and what effect does this have on the world? Well, um, it's a real science fiction novel. Um, they call it a scientific adventure romance. And then later he calls it a, a, a fabulation or something like that. But really it's a science fiction novel because what, what the premise is, is you have this basically fertilizer that boosts, uh, production, right? And when you apply it to plants, it grows. And when you apply it to animals, it grows. And then of course, if you're eating this stuff, you grow too. And so the ultimate result of that book is that everything goes back to the way it was because everybody's five times bigger, right? The plants are five times bigger. The uh, I'm going from memory. Plants are five times bigger, but you're five times bigger, so everything is sort of normalized again it goes back to a sort of a homeostasis right going back to uh the state you were in in the first place and and the the aberrance which is always you know like profits they're always temporary right <laughs> there's never eternal profits there's always uh, as in P R O F I T S not P R O P H E T S although those are also temporary as well <laughs> um, <laughs> um and and i felt like maybe that's where he's going uh, so i I did. I found it very sparky in terms of ideas, but I didn't find him answering any of them. I didn't. I didn't come away with, oh, that's what he thinks intelligence is. is this is a real, real thorny, thorny issue in my mind. Like I, I hmm. read, uh, what's who? C.M. Um, Cornbluth wrote *The uh, Marching Morons*. A lot of people yep. think this is a brilliant story. Um, I even put it out as a podcast, right? And we talked about it and all that stuff. But I think he's completely wrong about what intelligence is. Um, I, and I just don't know what Paul Anderson really thinks because he's, he's sort of dips his toe in every, every sort of possibility. And so I, I, I sort of wanted to be blown away and I was like, ah, yeah, that's, w-. so you, Scott, you're saying it's full of great ideas. and I want to, think about tell me what what was so awesome <laughs> well, yeah to you? I mean,
0: no it yeah no it, it exactly was it, it, you know i'm surprised at what you're saying it's like you know you're you seem you know for for him to have accomplished what you're saying um would have been much longer you know um he could write you know many novels on this you know and and try to come up with something but what what he did say about intelligence is that i found very interesting was If you, you know, all of a sudden multiply everybody's intelligence by five, then according to Paul Anderson, the system in which we live is going to completely fall apart. It's no longer going to be sufficient, right? You know, some of the things that were happening initially is politicians were like, you know, this is pointless. (laughs) And they were walking away, you know. Um, that was one of the first things that happened. They weren't no longer interested in what they were doing. I thought that was an interesting thing.
2: Uh-huh. Um, yeah, because they found the the, the rotness, wrote jobs to be, yeah, not something they wanted to spend their time on. They had too much intelligence to, to bother with the elevator job, the farm job, etc., etc. They want they wanted, they wanted more. He's basically saying, if you have a high intelligence, then you crave intellectual challenge. Yeah. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. that's what he is and then saying. Um, yeah and then with Sheila um, who wasn't very bookish I guess you could say you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, sort of was looking into the abyss you know with her higher intelligence she became extremely depressed and couldn't see the point of anything yeah
1: so that that is a different the it, see that one was that one there I think is absolutely a possibility but I'm not sure that's intelligence um, uh, see what is uh, I really don't know what it is. And I'm not sure. I think he's right that things would change, but I'm not sure w- how they would change. So w- w- with the, with the story of Sheila, right? She, she's a very nice lady, <laughs> right? Very pleasant, very pleasant uh, housefrau. Right. Uh, very pleasant housefrau. Um, not particularly, uh, good at, uh, you know, deep conversations or something maybe. Right. And then she's multiplied and now she's becomes dissatisfied she she wants to be back the way she was um this is like uh you know you're told the world's going to end tomorrow um and he say, no i don't want to know i i want mm-hmm. i want to not know or in 10 uh, years you know um red pill blue pill yeah that sort of thing and is that intelligence cuz i don't think there is one thing That is, and there is a conversation early on in the book with the scientists sitting around the laboratory. And I I think he is saying something interesting, but it it seems sort of so small that he doesn't even really focus on it, which is, um, people don't enjoy things, uh, except for food, right? And I remember at the beginning, they're, they're in the cafeteria and they're, he's drinking his coffee. One of the scientists is drinking his coffee and it tastes bad, right? Um, and then after the change, and they become super geniuses uh, on top of super geniuses, um, food is something important, right? Because we're still animals. But I don't think that that's something that anybody would say is intelligence, right? It's well, just the focus. It, it, it,
2: it, it's not it's not intelligence a sense of IQ. I mean, in, in, enjoyment of the senses is a different kind of intelligence. And in that same like-
1: conversation, they do have... Uh, you know, a uh, conversation about what IQ tests are, right? And then when when we go back to the farm, and R.G. Brock is explaining to, you know, how his community is working, he says, well, we've got morons and we've got imbeciles. And then people on Goodreads are saying, oh, it's problematic language or whatever. um. But he's trying to classify people, right, by what their disability to the mean is and obviously these are real things right uh disabilities uh mental disabilities they are real things but are there mental classes that can be that like does existential angst only kick in after you hit a certain <laughs> uh class i don't know if that that well, no, i, I, I assume it did,
0: that. it didn't with everybody right you know and i think that that kind of yeah. seems true too it's well, like you have a certain percentage of the people really just want things back the way they were partly because of this existential angst and some of them because of power. Right. You know, they've lost the uh, sphere of influence they had, you know, like some of those guys at the end that were trying to, uh, you know, basically shut this whole thing or put the whole thing back the way it was before, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's what they were spending their time doing. Because they they wanted their life back the way it was, but I don't know that they were all experiencing existential angst.
1: Yeah, I don't um, think uh, th- if, yeah. there wasn't a um, a universal thesis that he he was saying this is what I think this topic is is like w- intelligence is yeah. a bag that everybody says you know that what's what the, these are the things we carried or like I, I saw people in the comments on Goodreads talking about this explains voting, uh, you know, <laughs> in a lot of like and I'm like, I don't think that that's what I don't think you guys are doing it. Right. Because that's not right. That's not, you know, if everybody got a five times boost, Hillary would be president. Like that oh has my. nothing to do with what intelligence is. Voting, is in this story and, and politicians and power and all that stuff. Um, so I was, I was like, what does he mean when he says, uh, that the Chinese army has defected? How come he doesn't talk about the American army? Right? Is it that they, like, how does one get classified as an officer is usually some sort of competence and intelligence, right? Rather than, uh, the grunts. The guys who right. make up the bulk of the army. How is it, is it, is it a class based thing? Is it intelligence based? Is it a competence based thing? Um, you know, why, uh, I, I'm reading a lot of comics. Why is Sergeant Rock, you know, the mm. iconic character? And his
2: Halloween commandos.
1: Oh, no, that's Sergeant, uh, Nick Fury.
2: Oh, Nick Fury! Oh, Ro- yeah, Ro- you're Ro-
1: thinking DC, DC, but Sergeant Rock I, is. Oh, wait, maybe the. No, no, yeah, Nick Fury is Marvel. I'm thinking Marvel. Yeah, you're yeah. thinking DC. Yeah. Um, but they're both sergeants, right? And, and and these are the guys who have started at the bottom and worked their way to the top of the competence chain of of uh, you know the I mean? army. And there's something about, um, you know, w- the, intelligence is definitely a real thing, but I don't know what he's saying with this book i i I think here's an idea, and there's an idea but i don't know I want you to yeah. tell me what you what you saw that was well, saw. I don't
0: know I don't know that he is saying anything specific on the level that you're talking about yeah, I think I, he's I, just exploring what that would do to everything
2: i I don't think he has a single thesis here jesse you're yeah. looking for a single thesis of oh what does intelligence mean and what and what does increasing increase in intelligence or well, what does he for,
1: think it means because I don't know i all I know is there's <laughs> lots of really bad answers out there, right? There's a, a, ton, a crap ton of really, really bad answers um, uh, as to what this stuff is. Because uh, I'm really smart in some areas, and I'm really stupid in others, right? I'm terrible at math, but um, I'm pretty good at smelling bullshit. And sometimes that means I'm stupid, and sometimes that means I'm smart. Uh I don't know. I don't. I do see that some people have deficiencies, right? But I, I don't know if there's gradients or if it's a threshold thing, or. And so he's 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 saying. Here's a, a massive effect, and then let's see what happens. And and he says so society starts breaking down in this way. I think that's interesting, um, but it doesn't really explain why it would do that. Like, why does everybody move to the country? Cause well, not
2: everybody moves to the country, but a lot, a lot of people walk away from their current situation, which is, I think is something that he, that he's exploring that basically that lots of people are in their situation, not because they choose to be, but because the circumstances and limitations have stuck them there. And once you've, remove,
1: but they're intellectual, right? Limitations, not financial limitations or power limitations. So uh, the animals have a really interesting situation, right? The, the elephant has a almost hand, right? But the rabbit, it's got nothing. All it can do is push. So its story is limited, but the elephant teams up with the, with the creatures that have hands, right? (laughs) Now we're, We've got power and manipulation, right? So that that those are two kinds of intelligence. That, like, no matter how uh, how smart we think dolphins are, right? Maybe they've got the greatest uh, love songs ever written, um, that, uh, like or are never written, right? <laughs> um, we we don't they they don't impact us uh, because they're stuck in the sea, right? What are they gonna do with this ship? <laughs> gonna fill fill the cockpit of the ship with uh, or the bridge of the ship with water and, and sail it around the oceans. It doesn't make any sense, right? But w- when, when the animals interact with the humans and the stupid people interact with the super geniuses there should be some sort of um, enlightenment as to what's in the black box underneath Hmm I, 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 and I feel like maybe if somebody, do that. if
0: somebody you're knew, d- you're just looking for a novel that he didn't write. I, he yeah, I
2: know. I'm. I'm uh, I don't. Yeah.
0: yeah. I'll shut but up the, for a the, while. The, the, the,
2: <laughs> there's, there's plenty of. There's plenty of. Like, I mean, there's there's an idea that's explored in the space portion of this novel, which I had heard first from Larry Nip, by Larry Niff, because this is a Paul Anderson, as I mentioned back when we were discussing, we were going to put this on the schedule that I hadn't actually read before, and mm-hmm. there was an idea that. I came across from Larry Niven that once – the theory that once a organism gets to a certain level of intelligence, there's no evolutionary pressure to increase that level of intelligence. Mm-hmm. And Paul Anderson – did he get this from this novel? Because this novel explores the idea that basically once once a species gets to a certain level of intelligence, there's no evolutionary pressure to increase it. So, so, when, when, it was, so when they're exploring the galaxy and looking – look at these civilizations, there's no super, super singularity civilizations for them to deal with because everyone's about the same intelligence, but they also, they all grew up in, in, in the outside of the field. So they, they must have all theoretically smaller brains that just equal to, uh, 100, uh, IQ intelligence. So now if you think about this and he doesn't explore this, but if you think about, the premise of this novel. Okay, so humans can now explore the galaxy. Humans are now probably the most advanced as far as intelligence race in the species in the entire galaxy. What is that going to do? What does that mean? What does it mean for human alien relations throughout the entire galaxy when they have an intelligence upper hand? Are the humans even going to care? Or are they going to dominate the human or the aliens? Or are they going to ignore the human the aliens? There's there's a whole nest of ideas and story possibilities that could be spun out just from those little bits that he explores briefly in those space ship se- sections. Humans are the most intelligent species in the galaxy. Now what? Mm.
0: Yeah, that is, that is an interesting thing to think about. And, you know, he leaves it hopeful at the end with, um, I felt, you know, where, you know, Brock, you know, he, he, again, he's considering them classes of, we're actually, uh, what would you say, categories of human at that point, right? Mm-hmm. At the end. And he says, you know, you've got us over here who are, you know, running away with our big brains. <laughs> and uh, you right here who are sort of at the level that we used to be. And from here, we're going to part. And, uh, you know, good luck to you and Godspeed, right? You know, he's, yep, th- that's the hopeful part where he's like, you know, we don't feel any need. For you not to exist, and uh, and see you later.
2: Yeah, that is very, that is very hopeful. Given. Yeah, it harkens back just...
0: almost to you know what Neanderthals and uh, Homo sapiens, right? Yeah, and look,
2: when, look how uh, well that worked out.
0: Right, and Homo sapiens eradicated Neanderthals.
1: Yeah, I I I i like that ending is like we're gonna we're gonna go off and colonize the universe, and you guys are staying here um, to recolonize the Earth with mm-hmm. their fellow like I, I was I was I was hoping to see more about what the pigs have to say about being slaughtered
0: right yeah <laughs> and that was a fascinating thing too I thought because uh, was I'm not a vegan just, but uh, yeah part of my argument uh, about
1: pigs uh, being okay to eat is they're yummy <laughs> you know, now yeah, when the pigs yeah. say that about people, uh, we might have to do n- some negotiations, right? <laughs> <That's laughs> yes, right. where we both agree Brock, we're mutually yummy. However, uh, and you know the chickens, right? They've been bred to to make eggs every day, right? Now if we don't uh, we don't put a check on them, there's going to be uh, some trauma for them, right? Uh, just because if we let every egg be fertilized, all their babies are going to get killed by somebody else. So they might uh, come to some sort of philosophical, uh, uh, but then they also don't have language, right? Like how much is language important to intelligence? Um, the dog can understand, well, we, but can't we, seem to have a communicate. a lot to say about that, right? right? Yeah. He did
0: have a lot to say about that. As far as dogs being able to understand, pigs being able to understand, the elephant, right? And then you go right into the fact that the higher intelligence folks immediately created a new language because our language was an a impediment. new logical language. Yeah, right. It was an impediment to their speed. Yeah. Right. So they were they were inventing all this shorthand naturally. So he did have something to say about uh, you know efficiency of communication and all that. But what I was saying there is it was really interesting because uh, he addressed that in a novel where. Brock was getting pretty hungry and uh, you know him and they were like well we need to slaughter one of these sheep but he just it wasn't the same anymore it wasn't the same as slaughtering a sheep before now the sheep sort of knows what's happening and he's uh, well but
1: the sheep you know, I don't know what, if I, I can do this before, I don't know right? if I can do this I, I, I think that? Uh, the You know, sheep's no. You know, cows don't want to go in the slaughter slaughterhouse, right? They 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 get a sense something bad's going on in there. Uh, What they can't do is
0: (laughs) in the the queue, they they can't like you know say to each other, you know what? I think
1: I think we're being murdered in there. What do you think? I well, I've heard Bessie. She never moves like that unless uh, something bad is happening. I agree with you. Like they they can't communicate in language, and language and communication are not the same thing so mm-hmm. what like that's what i'm saying like what is he saying and i'm like oh there's something there he's got he's he's pointing to something as and then he just changes the uh sorry i'm pooping on that part of the book but yeah i totally i was totally into those scenes and even the opening with the rabbit you know it what does this mean what does it mean to be a an animal that has near human level intelligence but you know you got paws you can't you got no thumbs you got no fire
2: Mhm yeah it, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a limit i mean the rabbit escapes the hutch but yeah the the rabbit is necessarily limited and, and that 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 spins out a whole new sets of questions that Andrew, Paul Anderson didn't think about okay so suppose all the the metahumans leave the earth and you're left with humans and animals is there going to be um speciation events where animals are going to selectively start breeding for traits that amplify they make use of the intelligence i.e opposable thumb digits yeah but that that's that's a millions of years long process and but i mean clearly the selection pressure would be on the animals to do that because that and or, or vocalization for that matter i mean it's I mean, th- those are going to evolutionarily do better with with the humans than with than if they just remain intelligent but no uh, no hands and no speech. Mm-hmm. But that's 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 a long term future for the animals.
0: Which yep. makes me which makes me
2: think which makes me think of uh, Lawrence Shonen's Barsk, which is mm-hmm. a more recent novel where basically humans uplift animals into anthropoid intelligent people with hands and then the humans disappear and their animals are left with, well, now what do we do? All mm-hmm. well, the humans are gone.
0: Yeah. Well, you, you use the word uplift there. Cause I was about to say, mm-hmm. uh, Ryan be it, a little bit of Bryn.
2: Bryn, Yes, you know? yes, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep, yeah. Well, but this
1: br- book br- is a thousand times better than, uh, <laughs> uh star tide rising. I know you're, you're not a
0: fan of star tide rising. I know. Oh, you're
2: not, you're not a fan. Oh, I didn't, he's not. I, didn't I, I didn't, I didn't realize Yeah, that you, that you, uh, Again,
0: if I remember right, I think a lot of your problem with Star Tide Rising was similar to this—that uh, a lot of stuff happens not on stage.
1: Yeah, I, I mean that was just—it's just bad writing to have you know people looking at control boards and saying you know there's a battle over there. The battles happening this way right and well that's yeah that's
2: that's that that's a different issue entirely and than, there's a lot of assumption okay.
1: uh, so what what I'm kind of upset about here is that he didn't have a driving thesis right with whereas with Star Tide rising he has a driving thesis and it's just wrong right it's just <laughs> like he, he doesn't understand what he's done is simplify things a little bit to, what, what, what I really liked is when the scientist comes, uh, says, uh, blah, 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 blah. And there's another scientist at the table saying, uh, well, it doesn't quite work that way. You have to consider this. And then I'm like, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when, when we've got a, a, woman who, who, um, you know, no, no longer wants to, you know, read the gossip column or whatever. And now she's, uh, you know, turned into a, a poet. But, but, uh, doesn't like it because it's making her depressed. Um, is it wrong to go to the laboratory and have your brain, uh, damaged in order to, uh, go back? To, uh, I would say, you know, we need to develop a new philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a new, a new, uh, system by which you can, uh, approach the world. Usually the problems are not, um,
0: I think Paul Anderson agrees with you, but go
1: ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly. Yeah. Is, is mm-hmm. like, what is the new relationship on the farm going to be? Right? Mm-hmm. It, it almost is an animal farm situation there where you've got the horses and the cows and the sheep and the pigs. And, and uh, if, if it doesn't go in the direction animal farm does, because that's good, but it doesn't, I don't feel like we're going to get enough resolve. Um, I don't feel like I know where it's going. I just know that there's gonna be some changes coming.
0: And, yeah but isn't that what's what's amazing you know because now you think about that and you think about well what should happen just like you're thinking about?
1: I yes. guess that, what, what do you guys think should happen? Should, should we stop yeah. eating meat if all our friends are uh...
0: I, I think that that's what would happen. It's like if uh, if pigs were intelligent, Intelligent, er, right? You know, a lot of people say they already are. They just are, don't right? have they hands. They are. They're smarter yeah. than dogs. I don't have. Say. I don't have any experience with pigs, to be Me honest. Neither. I have a lot of experience with cows. I
2: mean, They're I understand. Pigs. I I understand. There's a problem with feral pigs in Berlin. i mm-hmm. all places that they, apparently they run amuck. Wow. And 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 there are there are feral boar in Texas that apparently are a problem. So pig, pigs are not to be messed with. That's right. But yeah, it, it, I, so I think humans would go to. Humans and animals would go to mostly vegetarianism, where practical. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I chicken doesn't need to have every egg become another chicken, so I think there'll be eggs. Cows, st- cows will still have a surplus of milk, so there'll be milk, so there'll be cheese, egg, so there'll be dairy. But yeah, but slaughtering animals for meat, um, I'm thinking that's a, yeah, is, that's is that's, that's something- over.
0: Is there something that animals and humans would both feel okay with eating?
2: But well, but but here's 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 another thing that Polanski doesn't think about because there's not a lot lot of there's not a lot of large carnivores left in North America and and frankly the the it's just all set in New York State except for yeah. some except for the spaceships and whatnot. What about Africa? I mean, I mean, think 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 of, think of the lions, the cheetahs, and and we
1: got lions here, man.
2: Uh, well, mm-hmm. the mountain, mountain lions. Yeah, but they're, but they're, they're, they're lions.
1: They'll they'll yeah. eat yeah. They're,
2: they're lions. We got I them mean, they're, they're they're obligate carnivores.
1: They yeah. can't
2: eat. they can't eat vegetables. They just right. Can what what are they? That he, he really what does not, do not the... touch
1: on the carnivores except for the humans, right? That they, they're right. the only He's carnivore uh, carnivores mentioned in the book. Uh, uh, although pigs are omnivores, they'll eat. Yeah, meat yeah, pig, pig's and kill. eat anything. Yeah.
2: But what, what what are the predator prey dynamics of of the obligate carnivores, especially the big cats? But then and, again, also things f- like birds of prey. Dogs, right.
1: The thing is, is, intelligence is associated with hunting, right? It's uh, so m- most animals we also, think of, like but, but, sheep, right? They're, they're they have instincts to huddle up, right? Get in the center so that you're not the one who gets eaten, right? <laughs> the herd animals are run away or get to the center if you're in the center you're not going to be the one that's taken down when the herd starts moving right it's the ones on the outside the ones at the back so the the birds of prey do the same thing you know you're up in the sky looking for animals to eat that's what your whole thing is is what makes you a Effective killer is your ability, like cats, right? The hide, hide, and kill, right? Those deceptive te- techniques. Wolves
2: hide, wolves, wolves stalk, wolves, wolves, kill. Wolves, wolves are going to be really, really interesting in this new world because they 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 are they're a pack animal. They they hunt in packs. They're going to be heightened intelligence. Now, in the 1950s. I mean, if you follow the history of the wolf in North America, they were really at a nadir as far as populations inside the United States. So I think that's why Paul Anderson think about them. I mean, it's only in the last 50 years with the endangered species act and whatnot, that wolf populations have actually rebounded to a, to a point where there are people in Montana and Wisconsin and other places that want to hunt them because, because in the 1950s wolves outside of Alaska weren't an issue, but In Canada, I mean, in Canada, Alaska, in the 1950s, wolves are, wolf packs are going to be a major disruptor of ecology. I mean, just to think about all the ecological disruptions outside the farm, where the, I mean, if if the intelligent humans go off to the stars and people living in these farms, what are the, yeah, what are the things like wolves going to do? And how do humans negotiate when they're dealing with animals nearly as intelligent as, baseline humans are now and what what do the wolves want what will the wolves do i'm 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 suddenly i'm suddenly thinking of uh the the game traveler and the varger which are the which are the uh, species that the ancients take wolves and basically turn them into intelligent beings and Mm. set them out in the stars no problem with that that'll be fine Mm. no yeah (laughs) that that doesn't work well for anybody the varger the varger are are really uh nasty and dangerous so it's like wolf pack inte- near intelligent human level intelligent wolf packs running around canada and alaska that's not going to go well at all for anybody mm-hmm. it's, it's just, just going to be population crashes of prey because if the prey will get more intelligent but the wolves will be more intelligent It's it the earth's the whole entire earth's ecology is going to be disrupted massively by all this mm-hmm
1: uh, he, he also, I mean, we we should probably uh, wrap this up soon. But I I wanted to uh, also point out that like the thing that that we don't uh, see in this intelligence boost is is um, the amount of time spent uh, under tutelage, right? How uh, uh, Paul uh, Paul doesn't have kids like me, but Scott, you've you've got kids. Are both of them in college now?
0: Or just Yes. One? Uh-huh.
1: Okay, yeah. both are in college. And, uh, at some point, you're going to have an empty nest, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. How many years does that take? 20, 20-ish years, <laughs>
0: right? How many years before the empty nest? Yeah. I mean, there's no, no kids living with me now. Okay. So, so 18 I mean, but, uh, or so years, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. 18 years. Right.
1: 18 years of, of raising, protecting in the nest versus, you know, most animals, one uh, less than a year sometimes not at all right uh, if you're mm. an insect you never meet your parents <laughs> snakes you know that sort of thing turtles um but you know we've got bears hang out with their parents calves hang out with their parents in the forests around here right they learn some techniques they learn uh, maybe hunting skills packs of uh, animals they live together for long periods of time elephants right but at some point you become a full-fledged member of the group um all of that amount of time is learning to use not just the the, the physical tools, but the cultural tools. The learn all the all the linguistic tools and techniques, right? Yeah. All of that is something, and it's not just for poetry. It's also for uh, ways of uh, killing and taking territory and turning uh, trees into into things. So. I think there is more, much more to be said uh, on this topic of intelligence. Oh, sure. And this book is a really good place to spark ideas from.
0: Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Before it's, not,
2: we, it's, not, oh, it's not the end word on it. It's no. the first word. Yeah.
0: yeah. Agreed 100%. So before we close, I have a quote from Paul Anderson um, from Locus Magazine. Mm -hmm. that I just thought uh, we could close with if you'd like. Sure. Um, But it says, uh, the question to him was, what five books would I like to be remembered for? Okay. And he says, uh, well, Tau Zero, I like that one especially. It was Mm. somewhat of a tour de force, and I think it got across what I was trying for. Midsummer Tempest, certainly. Mm. And The Boat of a Million Years. That's actually borderline between science fiction and fantasy. Three hearts and three lions I have an affection for. For number five, I was hesitating over half a dozen, but the enemy stars will do. I wish I could get a really good single idea like that—one you can run all over the field with oftener. Mm. That is what science fiction does best. Mm. Brainwave, old as it is, could be on that list too. Mm-hmm. So that's what he thinks of his—that's what he thinks his own best work is. Mm.
1: I like Tau Zero. I remember liking it. Did I like it yeah. on the podcast? I can't remember. <laughs> no, I remember you just it on the podcast. Somewhat, it was, yeah, it was somewhat. I think I think yeah. there was some really good stuff in there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and there, there's some really good stuff in here, too. Yeah. But uh, I, it's, it, yeah, I don't know. I, it hasn't thrown me over on either side of the fence of, uh, uh, this is your last chance. Uh, maybe I'll give
0: him one more chance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan. I think he's terrific. It's really been cool to to discover him like this. Thanks, I, I, Paul. Thank I have, you, Paul.
2: I am very, <laughs> I'm very, I'm very glad that I have introduced you to Paul Anderson because yeah. he is one of my central writers. And he didn't put mm. The High Crusade on the list. No. What no, the no, hell? No, that, I know. I know. That, that's a nice rap. I know. It's like that
1: should be number one. Is I I've read. all. Uh, Call Me Joe should be on the list. I guess it's not novels, right? Uh, yeah. Call Me Joe novels. is a is a tour de force. That's a great story. And High Crusade, that's a great novel. So funny. Funny. And fun.
0: (laughs) This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.
1: Change the topic.
2: It'll, it'll <laughs> change the problems. So it won't solve the problems.
1: Well, it would It would slow them down. <laughs> I mean, I'm, not, I'm, not the whole, I'm not suggesting the whole it's a moral thing, but it would certainly... No. Slow
2: them down. No, the people that say, oh yeah, guns never solve problems. Guns change the problem. Uh, they, have, hmm. they may have solved the problem, but they change the problem to, to a different mode entirely and not always for the better.
1: Well, oh, if you if you have some sheep on your farm that you want to eat and they're running away from you,
2: uh, save it for the podcast. What?
1: How? Ah, <laughs> oh, wait. Okay, I see. Uh, somehow, how?
2: Yes. Yes.
1: All right. Mm. Well, let's get started then, because I, I want to do two shows today. If that's cool with y'all, double shows.